for a presentation of the framework as we believe it stands now, a recap on the population exercise, and then a few perspectives offered by a few individuals, somewhat representative, but not, you know, authoritatively necessarily representative, coming from different perspectives. Um, and that is all kind of for the record, both for ourselves and for uh, any other members of the public who may be listening. I have a momentary pause here. Can, can you re-edit re your last last edit? Do a few backs. What happened? Yeah, we. I, I was editing the diagram thing. Oh, see, we weren't supposed to be doing that. No, yeah, I thought it stopped. <laughs> can you do another? Go back again. Go, or go back again. Yeah, go back again. Refresh, and and then re uh, re. Redo your last edit, please. Sorry. Oh. <coughs> okay, so uh, while while he's recapturing that, uh, that that's basically the uh, the essence of what we're trying to achieve this afternoon. As I say, both for our own purposes and for the purposes of anyone else who hadn't participated with us during the last two days. Um, so, with that, once I've uh, put Olivia back on the hot seat, are you at a stage now? Um, I would like to go ahead and invite uh, Olivier to start us off by uh, formally sort of presenting the communique. Um, oh, oh, Frank is going to do it. Okay, Frank Olkin from NSF is going to do this. Um, so, Frank. I no really sort of interpret it. Uh, walk us through it. I think is the best way to do it. So you have the microphone. Okay. Um, the communique begins with an introduction, which tries to set to place the the details of this in the context of the um, in context. Okay. So the, the, the summit was co-organized by NIST and the Ontolog Forum. It was co-sponsored by some 50 institutions. Um, and it was an attempt to bring together the various communities, that is, the computer scientists, the formal ontologists, uh, philosophers of knowledge, uh, librarian uh, classification, librarians and others work, who work on classification systems, terminologists, etc., um, to discuss this um, sort of sprawling area called ontologies, and, uh, and oh, and folksonomists. Um, so there's been considerable debate over the last few years as to what is an ontology, um, and various different parts of the community have been engaged in in in. Um, detailed debates over this, and so the point of this meeting here today was to, to try to call a truce to this to some extent, and rather than focus on who is or is not an ontology, has an ontology we wanted to focus on what are the things that care, what are the different dimensions which characterize ontologies or ontology-like things, and so that we can place these different artifacts um, 
controlled vocabularies, uh, folksonomies, um, uh, axiomatized ontologies, all these sorts of things, to place these in context relative to one another and to try to differentiate the different dimensions of, of, what, of what characterizes these and how these different dimensions are related to the different intended uses of these activities. Um, so this is the beginning here. And then the core of the, uh, of the communique is concerned with the, the dimensions that we, we've used to what we call the framework here, which are the different dimensions that characterize ontologies. Um, and in particular, uh, the first of these is expressiveness, uh, which is technically not a property of the ontology. It's a property of the knowledge representation language used to, or knowledge representation methodology, used to encode an ontology. Um, and expressiveness is, you know, what kinds of things are you allowed to say? What kind of relationships are you allowed to describe? Um, are there inheritance mechanisms, other sorts of things? What sort of reasoning are you potentially able to do um, with this knowledge, particular knowledge representation methodology? Um, and then there's a related issue, which is structure, which is, um, is, is a property of the ontology, not the um, knowledge representation uh, language. Let's just call it a language. Um, so that you could envision a very simple structure. You might just have a set of, of concepts and their definitions, but you might encode that using, let us say, first-order lo uh, first logic into a set of axioms. Um, they wouldn't necessarily be very interesting axioms, um, but the point here is that the structure of an ontology can certainly be no more expressive than the knowledge representation language it's encoded in, or formal or methodology. It might be a graph or something like this, but it could be less, and it is often less for various reasons. Uh, uh, the, to facilitate exchangeability and other sorts of things, we may adopt a more um, expressive knowledge representation language than we actually intend to use for a particular ontology. And so structure includes such things in terms of, of logic. The question is, are we using propositional logic? Are we using a description logic? Are we using first-order logic? Are we using a sorted first-order uh, logic and other sorts of things like this? And um, Or it could refer... And historically, it's often been uh, used in classification schemes to the graph theoretic structure of a ontology. Is it just a, a set of, of concepts and their definitions, or is it perhaps a tree, uh, as are many uh, taxonomies uh, uh, with directed edges, like a, where you might have um, subsumption relations or part of relations, or um, perhaps it's a multifaceted taxonomy in which instead of having a tree, you'll have a directed acyclic graph, or more generally, uh, something like UMLS, where you may have an arbitrary directed graph um, as you add more and heterogeneous kinds of relationships. The next dimension is granularity. Um, 
And this is basically a question of what is the level of detail at which an ontology is specified. So you might use such measures as how many uh, concepts or nodes are in the ontology, how many edges or relationship instances are in the ontology, or you might use measures such as um, what's the number of axioms per concept or something. Or, um, so all of which are, are measures of the level of detail at which you describe these things. So typically upper ontologies will be described at coarser levels of detail, and at the other extreme, so these are often used for, or, or library classification systems, whereas at the other extreme you might have something like um, MASH, uh, well, SNOMED, which has hundreds of thousands of concepts, which is used for, for encoding uh, medical diagnoses. Intended use is um, another dimension. It is intended to inc uh, record the original purposes of the ontology. So the, the purpose might include semantically informed search. It might include data semantics uh, specification for databases or data entry. It might have been uh, created for, to facilitate data integration across multiple data sources. Um, or, as I said, SNOMED was for uh, a controlled vocabulary for recording medical diagnoses. So one of the points that we, we're trying to get across is that different purposes for ontologies lead to different design methodologies and knowledge representation methodologies um, and different degrees of, of formalism, typically. Um, automated reasoning is another dimension in which... Um, can be used to characterize an ontology, and this is, records the extent to which you anticipate using some sort of automated reasoner or inference engine. And typically these are used, they may be, um, automated reasoning may be used in an ontology for no other purpose than to just check for consistency, to ask whether it's even possible to satisfy the definition of a concept, um, or it may be used for some sort of question answering um, capability. Um, and typically, if you're going to do some sort of automated reasoning, uh, it is usually the case that you will resort to uh, some sort of uh, logic encoding for the ontology. So perhaps descriptive logic if all you want to do is subsumption, or first-order logic if you have more complex things. The next dimension is prescriptive versus descriptive uh, characterization of the ontology. So descriptive ontologies are those which are, are simply intended to record the contemporary semantic usage in a community. Um, so folksonomies might for, fall, fall into this category, for example. And um, there's no necessary um, evaluation of the of the correct of the scientific correctness of this ontology. So, for example, a a descriptive uh, ontology might assert that a whale is a large fish, whereas a prescriptive ontology either would it be used in a legal or regulatory setting, or in a scientific setting, you might say, well. We've got people who've done phylogenies for a long time, and we understand that whales are not fishes, they're, they're, they're mammals. Um, and, and a great many 
uh, ontologies that are situated in legal settings, regulatory settings, uh, accounting ontologies, um, engineering or mathematical, actually take the form of prescriptive ontologies. Um, the additional findings um, fall into a couple of categories here. One of them is governance. And this, this is intended to characterize how decisions are made as to what, what, what the content and structure of the original ontology was and how we make decisions about maintaining this. And governance can range from essentially complete anarchy in folksonomies to, um, to elaborate provisions for updating and revising these ontologies, which you see in big medical terminologies um, such as SNOMED and other sorts of, of more, more, more rigorous uh, uh, ontologies. Or, or it actually has to do more with the use of the ontology. Um, but one of the points that we, we had fairly substantial agreement on is that if the ontology is, is intended for use in a legal or regulatory or professional environment, there will typically be existing institutions which are engaged in creating um, def uh, concepts and specifying their definitions. These may be legislative institutions, they may be regulatory bodies, they may be professional bodies such as uh, medical profession or the accounting profession. Uh, they may be standards committees, other sorts of things. In any case, there's an existing institutional infrastructure, and we suggest here that in these contexts um, where people are doing these more specialized ontologies, that the ontology developers will typically need to defer to the institutional actors at least on the English language versions, or English, natural language versions of the uh, definitions, and that they should see their role not as creating a new set of definitions de novo, which we think is pro politically unrealistic, but rather as attempting to systematize, organize, and perhaps formalize in, say, some sort of logic representation, existing natural language uh, concept definitions. Um, the other issue that we addressed is um, the issue of folksonomies and formal ontologies. And here we have two radically different approaches to, to the construction of these ontology-like uh, artifacts. In the case of the folksonomy, it's sort of every person for themselves. You use whatever tags you, you, you choose to. And increasingly, ontologies record the um, some sort of representation of the identity of the person who's using the tags, so that you can have sort of person-specific uh, tagging practices, or effectively uh, person-specific ontologies, and formal ontologies, which are carefully crafted and encoded, typically in logic and things like this. We suggest here that folksonomies should be viewed as corpora for persons who are constructing more structured kinds of ontologies, be they taxonomies or axiomatized ontologies, and that we, we see these in the same way we see large text corpora as objects of study from which we may be able to infer more formal ontologies and as um, 
as corpora that can be used to validate our more our efforts to build more strong um, more 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 formal ontologies. We also see the possibility foresee the possibility that more formal methods of of developing ontologies, um, be they taxonomies or axiomatized ontologies, could be used to inform social tagging, either by providing improve more. more let's say, elegant tag sets, or by the use of faceted tagging, where instead of simp having simply undifferentiated tags, we may divide the tag space into, into facets. Um, the other issue that we came to agreement on was that um, there was a consensus that ontologies should be viewed as, desi as, as designed artifacts. artifacts. Typically, designed for some intended purpose, either to organize a body of knowledge, to facilitate search, or perhaps to be um, used by an inference engine for some sort of semantic computations. Depending on the, and, and the design methodologies may range, as we said, in for, uh, essentially no design, in the case of folksonomies perhaps, to um, very elaborate design methodologies in, for example, large structured medical uh, terminologies. And, but, but key, key to this was we view these ontologies as designed artifacts, not as sort of natural things which we trip over or something like this. So the, the implication of this is that we're, um, taking a step back from the notion that there's a single correct ontology to, to envisioning that ontologies serve different purposes, and toward that end, there may be different kinds of ontologies with different degrees of formalism, or they may have different content. And finally, um, there was a survey, um, or almost finally, um, in order to test this framework for characterizing ontologies, um, we conducted an interactive, the ontology summit organizers conducted a, um, a survey of um, anyone who cared to submit, but, but people who were involved in, in preparing for the summit, um, of people who were engaged in the development of ontologies or their use, and asked a variety of questions uh, in which we essentially tried to populate this framework. That is, we said, well, tell us about the ontologies that you're working with and tell us how they can be described with respect to these uh, dimensions that we've just proposed to characterizing ontologies. And we had 50 respondents um, from 42 different communities, um, the communities involved uh, formal ontology, application development, standards, ontologies. Um, we had some people doing uh, upper ontologies, other people doing more specialized ontologies, biomedical ontologies, folksonomies, uh, general ontologies such as WordNet and OpenPsych. Or, uh, WordNet is sometimes seen as a linguistic ontology. Um, and some very specific ontologies such as the process specification language, um, and a variety of different formalisms ranging from entity relationship models to OWL uh, and various ISO standards, ISO 11.79, for example. 
So um, there, there are links here to the survey, um, in, which is part of the proceedings to the um, workshop. And I'll just conclude here by saying that um, the, the, the point of this workshop was to attempt to identify important dimensions by which ontologies could be characterized. We proposed a framework. Um, we have a diagram that you can look at to, that relates these things. And we, we applied this framework by trying to look at a, a number of major ontologies and seeing how they fit. Um, we recognize that the framework is still fairly preliminary, um, and we invite uh, professionals from various disciplines, either subject area disciplines or different kinds of ontologies or librarians or other folks, uh, to contribute to this uh, by joining the Ontolog Forum and by contributing the characterization of their favorite ontology to our uh, survey. Thank you, Frank. Um, I think that was a very uh, comprehensive coverage of what we had. <clears throat> uh, two quick things, then. One is um, we are going to move on to a uh, little bit more detailed presentation, then, of the framework that's made reference to in the communique by, uh, I guess, Leo Oberst is going to do that. Oh, no. Well, one of either Leo Oberst or Michael Gruninger are going to do that. Uh, and then we're going to touch on to the, um, uh, the exercise of populating that framework, which Tom Gruber is going to cover for us, uh, before we take a brief break and have some uh, then perspectives on, on what we've achieved here in these last two days. Uh, while that's going on... <coughs> um, we have started a little uh, sign-up sheet here for anyone who would like to be a small part of history. Uh, if they would like to essentially endorse the communique as an individual, not expecting people to be speaking on behalf of host institutions, uh, if you feel comfortable doing that, we would invite you to go ahead and put your name on this and email address for which we can also use this for a practical purpose of uh, ongoing communications uh, should we... Um, come up with future iterations of such a, uh, such a communique. So I'll start passing this around uh, and at the same time then invite Leo or Michael to uh, take us through the framework um, presentation. Thank you, Steve. Uh, this is Michael. Uh, Peter, could you bring the slides up, please? Although Frank did such a great job of, of summarizing the framework, I'm just going to say I agree. So the, the framework uh, uh, presentation, I guess, that we'll be giving now is, is a little bit of an update from the one that we presented at the beginning of the meeting yesterday, which incorporated um, uh, many of the ideas from Tom Gruber, Deb McGinnis, Leo Oberst, and myself. 
this was intended as a straw man proposal, um, and it, was, it proved to be a very good target, um, which was good uh, because the purpose of this meeting was to, to generate discussion and uh, get feedback and uh, many different kinds of perspectives. Um, and to a great extent, I mean, because it was a, a, a straw man proposal, uh, you know, there were a lot of ideas that uh, uh, weren't uh, fully articulated, and we struggled with that during, during the meeting. Uh, and hopefully, uh, as reflected in the, uh, the communique that Frank uh, gave an overview of, gave, presented just now, uh, hopefully we, we cleared up some of the uh, incomplete aspects of it, but there's still a lot of work that, that can be done. Uh, in terms of, of uh, really elaborating um, the uh, various kinds of dimensions um, in the framework. And I think the, the other kind of aspect is the, the, the role of the framework uh, is really to support um, the kind of the sharing and reuse of the various artifacts that we all call ontologies, no matter what they look like. Um, and to be able to at least to be able to compare the work that we do uh, and understand the differences between the different artifacts that we produce and hopefully by understanding the differences to be able to have more interoperability um, between the different kinds of approaches. Uh, and again, this is interoperability in terms of, of more the, you know, not necessarily the difference in domains, uh, but interoperability as particularly when there are shared domains. Um, when there are different ontologies of, of different kinds of common sense ideas like, say, time or space, uh, um, different kinds of medical domains, um, to, have, to at least guarantee that we can have interoperability within these kinds of informal domains. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and there's actually interoperability among the projectors. That's good. I think it's the first time I, have, I haven't seen anyone's machine kind of crash the projector. Okay, so uh, Peter, is this uh, so? Leo, would those showings available over the uh, the VM as well, so people remotely can see this? Okay. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Um. Okay, so I'm just trying to think where I wanted to start here. I, I think I've kind of covered a lot of these, these ideas. Uh, I mean, we, we began, uh, the, um, began the, the, the meeting, or actually began the, even the document, the, the initial Strawman uh, framework document, with the idea of, you know, of uh, trying to identify, again, what we have in common among all the different approaches, uh, and then to be able to articulate the, the differences. Um, and to, to a great extent, uh, when we were, one of the things that was common was that there is this notion of uh, we're after semantics in some way. We're after the meanings of stuff, uh, whether that stuff is concepts, terms, what have you. But we're after the meaning of this stuff. Uh, and that's kind of what we have in common. We're all identifying some of the fundamental kinds of stuff in our different domains. Uh, we're identifying ways in which these kinds of stuff are related to each other, and, and also ways to constrain the ways that we, these relationships can be used. And in the way that, the ways that we all, uh, all of our approaches differ is in the way that we provide this kind of specification of, of meaning, the specification of the semantics. And so 
what we uh, tried to uh, identify was a, a set of what we were calling dimensions, um, uh, just as a metaphor for the, for the space of ontologies or the topography of, of ontologies. Uh, and the idea was to be able to use these dimensions as the mechanism for comparing the different approaches. So along a particular dimension, you would be able to compare different kinds of ontologies. Um, we identify two kinds of dimensions, uh, the uh, semantic and uh, pragmatic uh, dimensions. Semantic dimensions that we're focusing more on, on uh, different characteristics of ontologies that constrained how the meanings of, of these terms, these, uh, the stuff that we were considering, uh, how to specify that meaning, and, and the pre more pragmatic dimensions that, that cover the context in which the ontology was used and designed. Um, so just before, actually, just before going on there, um, one, one note, and one of the things that, that uh, you know, again, was a point of a lot of discussion and which still isn't quite fully resolved, uh, is along each dimension, so implicitly, as, as I can't remember, he's not here, as someone noted yesterday, when, when you're talking about dimension, you're implicitly talking about some kind of, of metric, I guess. Even metaphorically, there's a metric involved. And so there's this notion of scale. So if you're comparing two different ontologies along a particular dimension, what does that comparison mean? Right? Is this a number, is a, a particular kind of score, 0 to 5, 0 to 10, that you're assigning to these ontologies? Or is it more of a kind of a relative kind of ranking in the terms of, well, uh, there are certain benchmark uh, kind of ontologies we might kind of use and to say, well, this particular ontology is further along on one particular dimension than this other one. Because in many cases, um, comparing two different ontologies, they might not be a uh, what, what is called a linear ordering. Not every pair of ontologies may actually be comparable along a particular dimension. There may be ontologies that just aren't comparable. Uh, and so we're, this is one thing that we're still uh, trying to articulate in each case is a, a kind of a f complete agreement and understanding on, on what are the values of a particular ontology along a given dimension. And in some cases, uh, this wasn't really, um, uh, I, I guess, what some of the, the uh, ISO 11179 people would call. It wasn't an, uh, a non-enumerated domain, um, uh, that there were simply a, a kind of a range of uses for example, in intended use. Uh, and so there wasn't really a, a question of further along the dimension one way, one direction or another, but simply an identification of the different range of intended uses of a particular ontology. So, um, so the, uh, as uh, Frank had uh, so uh, eloquently put before, I'll just kind of go over some of the, the other dimensions uh, some in a little, from a slightly different perspective, I suppose. Um, the one um, notion, uh, the one particular dimension that was in the initial document was some notion of, of uh, degree of, of formality or structure. Um, what was getting at here was kind of the, the, uh, the nature of, or I guess how elaborate um, the semantics of the uh, uh, ontology were specified. And by elaborate, I mean this is something that and again, there's another kind of discussion, too, in, in terms of using the metaphor of dimension is, well, dimensions are, are supposed to be independent of each other, orthogonal um, to each other. And, and this is really was intended to be reflected in this notion, this dimension of structure. Um, so the idea being, again, that uh, the, the structure is a property of ontology that records how elaborate the semantics are encoded. You can have a very elaborate specification of the semantics, even if it is not in a formal language. Um, that if it is very well-structured, well-written natural language, 
descriptions of those terms, and that is a very elaborate uh, ontology. Uh, and so this dimension really is independent of the degree of formality. I just want to kind of make that, that bit clear there. Uh, again, so you can have a, uh, uh, an ontology that is rich, unambiguous, and precise uh, in any particular ontology representation uh, or any particular language that's being used. Uh, second dimension um, was focusing a little more on the ontology representation language in terms of expressiveness. Uh, now, when it, when it comes to, to formal languages, there are, are the logicians and mathematicians have, have, a, have a, a history of, of having very precise definitions of expressiveness. Um, and so one of the challenges will be to, to make to ensure that, that this particular dimension uh, does uh, cover all the, the range of ontologies, not just the, the formal ontologies. So we'll need a, a notion of expressiveness and a way of comparing ontologies by expressiveness for every ontology. And this is a, another example I was saying before that not all ontologies would necessarily be comparable or, or not ontology languages would be necessarily comparable with respect to um, expressiveness. There are many kinds of languages that just simply aren't comparable are neither ex one's not expressive than the more expressive than the other. Uh, so in this case, as we would just simply point to kind of existing prior work from other communities. The third dimension uh, was the representational uh, granularity, which, uh, again, informally uh, or colloquially is, is looking at the level of detail at which the ontology specified. Uh, and I mean, there are some kinds of quantifiable metrics uh, that, that people uh, have proposed in the past uh, the notion of uh, depth of, of the uh, concept hierarchy, average density of axioms or, or expressions used to specify the meaning, um, ideas like this. Uh, I, I guess this could be a future uh, ontology metrology uh, summit um, for the ontology community, uh, particularly given our NIST sponsors. Uh, but again, there's still a lot of work that being done there. So along the, the pragmatic dimensions, um, and this was also reflected very strongly in the communique, is the, the identifying the intended use or application focus of an ontology is one of the most valuable ways of, of recognizing the commonalities and, and uh, distinctions between different um, ontologies. Uh, and so, again, this is kind of one, of, in this case, the dimensions are not going to be uh, uh, more, uh, more intended or less intended or more applied. Less applied is more kind of just simply identifying what are these different kinds of applications. And, and we don't want to prescribe what these various applications are. I guess this could almost be a, little, a folksonomy of intended uses uh, uh, as we kind of identify these. And uh, um, I mean, part of, the, part of the idea is that we want to have this to be a very dynamic uh, community. And, and uh, I think as we'll hear in the population uh, summary, um, there'll be mechanisms for people to, uh, to connect their ontologies to these various categories. The second pragmatic dimension is, is sort of related to uh, uh, applications, uh, and that's related to automated reasoning. Uh, it's, kind of, it's been recognized that a lot of the impetus behind ontologies, particularly in the past five or so years, has really been pushed by a lot of uh, work on semantic web and, and other kinds of autom automated or uh, semi-automated software uh, integration, semantic integration. And automated reasoning plays a big role in this. And so one of the pragmatic dimensions is simply identifying uh, what kinds, uh, if any, um, kinds of, of inference uh, or automated reasoning can be, uh, can the ontology support. And this takes a wide, wide range of, of, of ideas, uh, including different kinds of special interpreters or inference engines that, that, that can use the content uh, of an ontology. 
and this can range from very simple forms of, of, of automated reasoning uh, to very complex kinds of theorem proving. But uh, you know, I, just because it's called simple, uh, I mean, there are many kinds of, of inference, and no matter how simple it is, uh, if it's more than just, if it's extracting something that wasn't existing on a particular web page, for example, that kind of inference can be incredibly powerful in refining search, for example. Um, uh, the third uh, pragmatic, uh, dimen uh, pragmatic dimension was the notion of prescriptive versus descriptive. And uh, I, I think we probably did a, a very good job of mangling um, some of the original intent of, of this dimension. Uh, and I hope we've, as reflected in the communique, I hope it's, it's capturing the original intent of the, of the proposal. Um, so the idea is whether uh, the ontology is capturing a particular body of practice uh, as it is, or whether it is something that's being designed as a way of, of prescribing how things should be done in a particular kind of domain. Um, and so I mean, this can make a, uh, have big implications in terms of the methodology and kinds of applications. Uh, so the penultimate uh, dimension uh, on the pragmatic side um, is the design methodology. And again, initially, uh, the framework had uh, simply two values here, top down, bottom up. But in, we, we, we recognize that that is really a gross oversimplification. Um, that in, in many ways, there's a uh, uh, kind of a bottom, even bottom up or empirical or emergent kinds of methodologies uh, in, in which ontologies are, are built as a community, and which is effectively what this framework is. Um, or, or the other kind of the way of a top-down um, design where there is a, a set of requirements analogous to software engineering and the ontology is designed in that way. Um, or also incorporating some of the work that went into upper ontologies, in which case there's a lot of merging and mediation, uh, and that's a, a methodology in and of itself. And finally, uh, one uh, pragmatic dimension that arose out directly out of the discussions that was not included in the original framework proposal was the notion of governance. Um, so this is examining how decisions concerning the structure and content of an ontology are made. Um, you know, this can range to ontologies that have legal, regulatory implications, uh, but also incorporates some other kind of metadata that, that talks about uh, provenance uh, of definitions in ontology. And uh, I, I think beyond identifying and recognizing this dimension, I really I don't think we ever came to any firm ideas on, on how to evaluate governance or how to uh, identify different kinds of governance. Again, something that we'll be really looking for in the future. Um, so uh, just in conclusion, then, um, we initially we wanted to avoid pausing a definition um, that would uh, kind of serve to distract us and, into wordsmithing and, and uh, terminology debates. We really wanted to allow a, a different characteristics of ontology and perhaps even a definition of ontology to emerge. And, and I think in the, the, the communique really does reflect this kind of common uh, understanding of, of different ways of comparing ontologies. So we really, again, we wanted to use this as a way of comparing ontologies to understand how uh, ontologies are like, and even when they're different, at least understand how they're comparable. Thank you. This is Steve Ray. Uh, thank you, Michael. Um, you can turn off your mic if you like. <coughs> um, okay, and uh, after a small, actually, if you don't mind, do you have access to the wiki? Um, if you're plugged in, uh, if you wouldn't mind being pressed into service here, we are, and for those of you on the uh, telephone, we're, 
just about to upload the next set of slides. <laughs> How many people can stay to the end? Is most who can't stay to the end? How many people are going to have to cut out early? Okay, how if we move the whole thing forward like by 30 minutes, 45 minutes, would that help out? Because it's pretty hot right now. We can take a five-minute break, come back, skip my section. I'll just throw it into my final talk. Uh, yeah, that's okay. It, it, for the record, they can be up there. But, I mean, I, was just, I just pulled three slides out of my keynote anyway. Uh, so we can just skip that and zoom ahead with the other presentations, and then we can get, after break, get on with the day. How's that sound? Objections to that? Peter, you had something comment? I was just going to say, I haven't actually made, pre presented, I haven't prepared anything because I, I don't feel comfortable about presenting any sort of European perspective. I'll just get shot down whatever I say. So uh, that you may, you'll, with me wittering on, you'll save half an hour. The same, the same is true for me. I'm not planning to prepare or present anything on taxonomies this afternoon for the same reason. All right. Well, we actually, we do have Deborah McGinnis, I know, and, and Chris Menzel, I believe, if you're on the line, you could confirm. Um, have prepared some remarks, so um, why don't we do this? And why don't we take a brief break, uh, just let people stretch their legs, uh, come back in 10 minutes. It'll give us a chance to uh, get reorganized here a little bit, and then we will start having some of the perspectives on this thing, including, so we will have Deborah McGinnis, Chris Menzel, and then uh, Tom Gruber uh, uh, Peter's not, uh, well, doesn't have slides, so he wasn't going to really uh, present, I think, right? Deborah McGinnis, Chris, Chris Menzel, and Tom Gruber, I believe. All right, we will reconvene in 10 minutes. That's 10 minutes past 2 East Coast time. Thank you.